Seth Campbell Podcast. This show is to equip you with real-world tactics to improve your leadership skills, build your wealth, and cause you to leave a multi-generational impact on the world. Welcome to episode 22. This is part three, the final piece in leading groups effectively to scale. This one is titled The Four Key Ingredients, and we're pulling them all together. In episode 20, we talked about vectors and direction and how to keep people aligned. In episode 21, we got into what I call the 20-60-20 model, and that is all about how to lead people larger scale from 10 people to 10,000 without using any more hours. We're going to wrap it up with these four key ingredients that are absolutely necessary. Let's jump into the very first key ingredient, and I call it clarity. Now, tying back together with the vector conversation in episode 20, which is simply thought about as people are always moving. It's only a question if they're moving in the direction of your mission. So setting up a clarity framework for that is absolutely the first and primary key ingredient. You'll see how the other key ingredients build off of this one. Yet just recognize if this one is missing and you don't have it, absolutely start here because the other ones are really not going to work without a proper clarity framework. The scaling shortcut, I love to give you little scaling shortcuts, just cut right through it, save you a lot of time. The scaling shortcut to setting up a clarity framework, because clarity is a big word, it's super important, it's needed in every aspect of an organization. You've heard me often refer to you as the leader, as the chief clarity officer. So really we see clarity, crystal clarity and everything possible. The scaling shortcut to setting up a clarity framework in your organization is what I call crystal clear job profiles. So now before you say, hey, I got job, prof job profiles, not worried about that and move on, listen carefully. At least 80% of failures in leading groups to effectively scale can be traced back to a lack of crystal clear job profiles. I see it all the time. The 20% of the rest of that, the failures come in the next three key ingredients. So this one is crucial. Be ready to take some notes and really go back and look at your organization and make sure that you have these crystal clear job profiles. When I'm consulting with companies looking to scale, this is where I go right after we make sure that we have clarity around a defined mission and then attach some goals to it. I probably have reviewed thousands of job profiles for people outside of my organization, people or organizations that I consult and for my own companies. And I think out of thousands, once, maybe once, there was no changes needed on a job profile. I still remember it was like, I couldn't believe my eyes. In fact, every time I see one of my companies slipping off track in performance, or one of my departments inside of a company slipping off track in performance. And maybe the leader sometimes starts saying, I don't think I have the right people or I can't find the right people for this organization. I actually say, send me the job profiles. And I found that those slid out of alignment first. And I let that happen as a leader. And I'm looking at job profiles and I say, maybe you do have the right person, but the person doesn't have the right clarity. And we've got to fix that first. So what is the framework? What does a crystal clear job profile look like? I'll give you another scaling shortcut here. Take the two biggest responsibilities, two biggest goals for that role. Let's say for this role, it's to generate more sales and have 
great client retention. Okay, first problem with that, neither of those are actual goals. Those are responsibilities, generating sales and client retention. A goal has a number. It can be measured. Some goals are tough. Like how do you set relationship goals? Find a way to put a number on there. All goals have to have a number. It's got to be measurable. It's got to be crystal clear so that we understand if the milestone on the way towards this long-term mission was achieved, like 10 is 10, nine is not 10. It has to be that clear. So that's step number one. We put numbers on those responsibilities. So let's say, okay, big rock number one, big rock goal number one is generate a million dollars in sales. Now I've got a number on it for this year. Big rock goal number two, is have 80% client retention this year. Now I got a number. Do you see how much clearer that is? Now what you can do optionally is add our third or fourth big rock goal. And I would say only do that if absolutely necessary. Never have more than five, three is better, two is probably best. And it doesn't mean, sometimes I say that people are like, whoa, it, it doesn't mean they don't have other responsibilities. Of course, every role has a whole bunch of responsibilities. It just means that they've got to hit these two no matter what, for us to be in alignment, for the vectors to work, for us to know that they're in the right role because they're the two primary numbers that determine the success of that role. And yes, there's a bunch of supportive responsibilities. A lot of times they're only supportive of those two numbers yet, or, or they run ancillary to it, but you could live without them being hit as long as this one hit. So in other words, let's, let's say an example, let's say, they also have responsibility of really complete paperwork. Paperwork's nice and clean. And that's a little off, but they did over a million in sales and had 99% client retention. You're probably going to live with paperwork being a little sloppy with that person. So now if you think about it in the other way, and, and some people struggle with this as leaders, you got to get over it and recognize that not all tasks are the same, not all responsibilities are the same, no matter what. Let's say I... Every role has 20 responsibilities to it. Think about it this way. If I just listed all 20, counted them somewhat equal, I might have somebody come back who did really bad on those first two. They did, they generated $10 in sales for the whole year. Their client retention was only 10%, 90% of their clients fired us, but they crushed the other 18 responsibilities. You'd want to fire them. You'd want to fire them because they missed the most important thing. But hey, I'm like, what? How could you fire me? Like, I did 18 out of 20 of my big rocks, man. That's amazing. So, big rocks are the one to three things that matter the most. This isn't the job for you if you don't hit these first two numbers, first three numbers that are absolutely critical to make sure that the organization's going where it needs to go in your area. What's the biggest mistake? I'll give you a biggest mistake on each one of these four ingredients here. The biggest mistake is putting the how instead of the what on job profiles. So back to the vector rules we talked about in episode 20. And I said in there, be flexible on the how, inflexible on the what, because what determines direction. And this is all about alignment and directions, how we effectively scale groups of people. How is just the navigation to get there. So what determines direction, how determines navigation to get there. And that can change. It can change with markets changes, competitive forces, the economy changes, new technology comes out and completely adjusts the how. I use the church as an example, the, the Christian church, same message for 2000 years. 
now I can look on YouTube and watch my pastor give a message Tuesday at 2 a.m. The how the message was delivered has adjusted with technology and with times. However, the what hasn't. And that's how you want to run your company. Biggest mistake is people put how. So instead of generate a million dollars in sales, I'll start writing on the job profile incorrectly. Oh, make this many calls or send out this many notes or send out this many proposals or do this and this. And that can create an issue because you may find yourself in a climate because of a shift in technology or the economy where that many phone calls doesn't actually generate that many sales. It got tougher. That many proposals actually doesn't generate that many sales because the money's gotten tighter out in the world and less people can afford it. So I probably need to send out twice as many proposals. That's why you don't want to put the how in a crystal clear job profile. You want to stick to the what and have that right up at the top, super clear. And then you can list out all the other responsibilities that, that impact the rest of the role. And you probably don't even need to put measurements on all of those. Don't kill yourself with that because remember, it's all about hit these first two, three, and everything's going to work out as far as the rest of the stuff goes. All right, let's go to ingredient number two, the scoreboard. Now take those two big rocks that I just said and put them live on a scoreboard in front of everyone. For people with the same responsibilities, it, it does need to be ranked. Why should we rank it publicly in front of everybody? Episode 21. So you can ID your top 20, your bottom 20, your middle 60. And go back and list that episode. It'll teach you how to work with each one of those groups. But that's it. That's all you got to do. It's really easy when you get this first piece done and you recognize the lessons from the other two episodes. What's the biggest mistake on this one? Adding in all the other numbers. Oh man, this is tough. It's tough for me to resist. It's tough for anybody that's analytical to resist. You want to have number creepage and the scoreboard suddenly gets larger and larger and larger until it becomes somewhat irrelevant to everything that happens. A thing that I always go back to in my own mind is a great book uh, by Chris McChesney called The Four Disciplines of Execution. He says it perfectly in there. He said there's a player scoreboard and a coach's scoreboard. And using like sports analogy, a player scoreboard would be like if you go to a football game, it's the one that we all see. What does it say? The score of both sides, what quarter we're in, how much time's left on the clock, and like what down it is. And that's it. It's got six or seven, eight numbers on it. And they're most critical numbers. And the coach, they've got the tablets. They can see every stat in the world. We hear the color commentators say every little stat there is. They can deep dive what's behind those numbers so that they can make strategy in real time to effectively win. But if they put all that data up on a scoreboard, we may find ourselves wondering who's winning, who's losing, how much time's left. It, it would be very distracting. It would be very difficult. Some people would actually get more in love with the alternative numbers than the main numbers and miss the point of the whole game and not really recognize how far a team might be off. So you want to make sure that you're utilizing the player scoreboard. What's the player scoreboard? It's the same big rocks that we just talked about in key ingredient number one, nothing more. Now, key ingredient number three, high communication. Another big word, yet yeah, let's break it down. This becomes much easier with those first two, two tools in place, the crystal clear job profiles with that clarity framework and the player's scoreboard and you having the coach's scoreboard. So high communication becomes much easier. 
And then you would follow the 20 model that I covered in episode 21 for the specific cadence of the one-on-one and group meetings. What I'll do here is take you a little deeper into what you say inside of those meetings. What happens in a one-on-one? They bring the player scoreboard. I bring the coach's scoreboard. You start asking them, walk me through your numbers on your scoreboard. Yes, you already know them. They, everybody already knows them if you've done it right by then. But you want to hear them bring the numbers to life in their own language. Walk me through your numbers and where you're at, how you're doing, how you feel about it, and what your focus and your strategy is. So you'll be surprised. Now they'll start digging into their numbers and adding context to it. You've got a lot of context in front of you with the coach's scoreboard. You may have deep dive on conversion rates. You may have individual client names, prospects, how many calls they made, all the details, who left as far as retention. You know how much that account cost the organization when they left. And you're asking them, like, talk, tell me about, okay, so I noticed that the retention is off. Who left? And how much did that cost the organization? And it's not to test them. It's just to, it's to check on alignment. And you'll be surprised how often their numbers and the details better than they do. And especially at the beginning. Now, if you do this consistently following these models, they'll know, okay, he or she knows, even when they ask me, they already know the answer. So I'm not going to BS. I'm not going to fluff. I'm not going to make it up. I'm going to go in ready. That's what you want. And you're training them how to run their own part of the business and manage their own life and manage their own priorities just with your questions here. Now, it's very important as you do that over and over again, they're going to show up if they're the right person, really ready to go. What do you do if they hit a goal? High five. How big do you want to take it now? What do you do if they're about 70% or more closer to hitting a goal? How big do you want to take it after this? Remember one of our previous rules, set the next milestone before they achieve this one, because that's when momentum's the highest. So you set the next goal, the next milestone right there. What you do when they miss a goal, big crucial piece here is they need to maintain ownership of that goal here. You can't get into dictating the how. That's a slippery slope. You want to be in a place of giving ideas, giving connections. I'll give you a list of probably the most important questions. You want to write these down in your notes for when people miss their goal. What other options do you have? Who else could you talk to that has done this? Who could you go model? What other resources are available to you? Maybe the most important question. Okay, now what are you gonna do? By when? And then my favorite finishing question, what will this number be by this time next week for this to be considered a success? And you see how if I was doing that one-on-one with you, I'm not pushing you away, and yet I'm also not taking your job on. The best part about your job is it's your job, I'm not taking that on. What I'm doing is I'm helping you talk through it and I'm making sure that both of us leave this table very clear. If I hear a fluffy, I'll just go make more calls. Okay, tell me how you believe that's gonna help. And maybe it will, but I wanna hear how many more calls, what does more mean? How will it's working? What if by Wednesday you're at that number and it's still not working, then what are you gonna do? I just wanna hear how clear their plan is and their strategy, but it's their plan, it's their strategy. And I'm happy to connect them with other people. I'm happy to throw in ideas. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Oh, tell me how to do that. I don't know. Why don't you ask Susie? Remember how, how she crushed it? Have you thought about doing what she said? What's the biggest mistake on this one? I call it the off-ramp. Way to think about a one-on-one conversation is pretend like you're on a highway and it's a predetermined destination where you're going. 
And where we're going is we're going to talk about these key numbers, nothing more, nothing less. And how do we do it? Many times that individual will take you on an off-ramp. Biggest mistake a leader makes is they go on the off-ramp with them. And before you know it, you've driven down so many side streets, neither one of you can find your way back to the highway. Time's up, one-on-one's over. We didn't actually cover the numbers. How does that happen? It's sometimes people like to hide from their numbers. So it happens in the middle as you're discussing, oh, well, I ran into this trouble, then I ran into this trouble, and then Bobby wouldn't help me with this, and, and then I asked you for help, and you didn't answer, and off-ramp, off-ramp, off-ramp. Okay, now what are you going to do? What other resources are available to you? You see, I'll bring it right back to the on-ramp. Sometimes the other way it happens, I used to get caught in this one all the time, is at the beginning. Hey, real quick, before you jump into the numbers, can I get your advice on this contract? And I have this real difficult client. I want to just get your advice. Boom, time's up, off-ramp. 20 minutes later, one-on-one's over. We didn't actually cover the numbers. Okay, we'll do that next week. No, no. Yeah, actually, this meeting is for these numbers. So let's talk about that problem in another meeting. And it could actually be right after. And I remember training myself on this. I actually one time said, We'll do it right after this meeting. And then I hung up and then called the person back and said, okay, next meeting. Just to be that clear, even in my own head, in their head, like this number is for th this meeting is for this content. Nothing more, nothing less. We're not going to get on the off ramp inside of this conversation. So now let's talk about the final ingredient for effectively leading groups to scale. And I call it the owner slash driver responsibility ingredient, owner slash driver responsibility ingredient. And this one's optionally important for larger organizations only. That's why I kept it for last. And let's say that this job profile that we're talking about here is now a sales manager. So they have a responsibility to add 2 million in sales this year with their team, but maybe they don't do many, or maybe they don't do any of those sales personally themselves. We're going to call them the owner of that responsibility of driving sales. And then each salesperson underneath them is the driver of that responsibility. If you think about it, every single responsibility in the organization actually has an owner and a driver. It's just in smaller organizations, it can be the same person. If you're by yourself, a, a one person startup, you are the owner and the driver for sales, for retention, for accounting, for everything. If you then hire an accountant, you're actually still the owner of accounting because the accountant is an outside person, they're your driver. You still own that because if it doesn't get done, guess who it comes back to. So now in this context, you're even the owner of sales, you've got a driver sales manager, but they're the owner of 2 million in sales and they've got drivers being the salespeople. So now what do you wanna do is you wanna make sure you're just always thinking about that. I own it, you drive it, or you own it and you have drivers, depending on how big your organization is. What's the biggest mistake here? Owners not using this method that we've just gone through for their drivers. So now the sales manager many times doesn't follow any of the same stuff that you're doing with them, all of these models that we've talked about in these three episodes. So the issue is you as the main leader now need to go teach them all these new models of effective leadership for groups, send them through these last three podcast series that we just did, teach them these method, they do crystal clear job profiles like you do with them. They follow the 20-60-20 rule with their team like you do with yours. They understand and follow the rules of vectors. They use player and coaches scoreboard like you do. This is how you move from becoming a leader to becoming a leader of leaders. And that, my friends, 
is how you will create a multi-generational impact for the many lives you lead. Hope you enjoyed this three-part series on effectively leading groups to scale. As always, reach out to myself, my company, CFE Strategies, if we can be of service in helping you scale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, see a full video recording of all of these podcasts. Join our private Facebook group, Seth Campbell Podcast. And of course, you're gonna love our new thing. Go to sethcampbell.com, look for the podcast show notes. You're really gonna love those. I've taken notes for you and have created some questions that you can use as a study guide. So you can go implement this stuff right now, this week. So until next time, focus forward. You've got this, I'm on your side. Thank you.